talk about servants and leaders. Um, sometimes we see those as, if we think of servants, are people who are serving and leaders who are people higher or above. But God kind of put them, it's impossible to be a leader in the kingdom if you're not a servant. Um, and we serve because we love the Lord, right? We don't serve because we have to. Um, I have two children, and they serve in this house, and I've never told them they have to. It has been their choice. They serve Jesus by choice, not by obligation. Um, they, they choose to serve because they watch our life. They've watched me in there and Matt, and because of the way we live our life, they choose to serve. I've never made my kids read their Bible. I've never made them serve at church. I don't make them go to youth group, and I don't make them get up. You know, for you guys, they set up, they help set up chairs for you guys so you have a place to sit. And that's what it is. When you serve because you love, there's not an obligation. It's not, you know, you're not forced to do that. And that's what we do when we're talking about serving um, in the house is we serve because we love the Lord, and we demonstrate that love by serving others, by doing the the little things. You guys, I don't like coffee, but a lot of you do like coffee. And there are people that get up and they come at 8.30 in the morning to make sure that you guys have coffee. They want to demonstrate they love you. And you know if you're a coffee person, if someone gives you a fresh cup of coffee, you know that is love, right? I mean, if you give me chocolate, I know that you love me. Um, so we demonstrate that love for others by serving um for them or in ministry, and we basically begin to lay down aspects of our life um, for them because we learn that through Jesus. Um, And Jesus taught us that we lay down our lives for others, and then he honors us just like he was honored through that. And so we do what Jesus does, and that shows how we love each other because that's how Jesus loved us. He laid down his life. He served us, and he, he died for us. And so that we could be in the family and that we could do the same. God's like, when he wants you to minister to each other, sometimes we have to lay down the things that we like or the things that we want to put as priority because God's like, no, this is what I want you to do. The great thing about that is when God calls you to do something, we may think it's going to be work, but I always get more blessing out of doing what God's called me, right? Always. It's so good. Um. And we know Jesus, he was a servant first. He didn't, you know, he was born in a barn. I mean, that's not like a high place. You know, no one was really waiting for him. He basically was born in secrecy. He was a servant first. But we know that he is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that he rules and reigns high above any other name, right? So if he is the King of Kings, the Lord of the Lord, and he is the highest leadership there ever could be, How did he get there from being a servant? He walked with power and honor, and people flocked to him. Mary Magdalene took a bottle of perfume. Okay, when we think perfume, you know, we're thinking like, what, 20 bucks? No, this was a year. Think of your year's salary, your entire year worth of salary. And she took that. That's how much that, when you you go and study that, that's how much that perfume was worth, that oil. And she took that and she broke it over his feet. I mean, how many of you guys are like, I'm going to write off my year's worth of salary and put it in the offering bucket? I mean, if the Lord tells you. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, that's a big deal. 
especially since women couldn't own property or really have jobs and things like that. So that was like everything she owned, and she broke it over his feet because of her love. He was a VIP. Jesus was very, very important, right? Would you guys agree with me? Pretty important guy, big deal. Yes, he was really important, yet he bent down and washed the feet of the disciples. Now, you guys, I've seen some nasty feet, but they wore sandals everywhere. There, you know, they didn't have cars. There were things on the road that we will not mention in church. You know, cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, their feet touched that road. And Jesus said, hey, I've already done all this stuff for you. Come, let me wash your feet. And he washed their feet. And he stopped to speak with people. And even little children, and they're like, hey, get back. And he's like, no, 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 these guys, they're important. He did that. He stopped and he talked to people and he healed them and he wept with them. He did all of these things. You know, he spent long days teaching them, and he stopped, and he fed them. Ultimately, you know, he allowed his body to be broken and bruised for us. And not only that, that's not even the worst part. Sometimes we think that is. The worst part is he allowed himself to be separated from God the Father so that we would never have to spend a moment separate from the love of the Father. Right there, you guys. We don't really know what that's like because we haven't been there. Because Christ did that for us. He was the ultimate servant, and that's what made him the ultimate leader because he served so well. I'm going to read in Matthew 20, 25 through 28, if you want to follow. It says, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The only way you may have a title, you may um, be over a bunch of people, but the only way to truly be a leader is to be a servant first. God says it. You know, Christ lived it. That's what he's talking about. If you want to lead, you got to serve. So we're going to talk about what it is to be a servant leader because there's no leader without a servant. So there's some things that we kind of need to have to be a good, to be a good uh, leader. So first is in Proverbs 21, 3, it says, To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. That means have integrity. You know what God's word says? He says righteousness and justice is more acceptable than sacrifice. Sacrifice without those two things is just that victim mentality. Oh, I'm just doing everything. You know, look at me, poor me. You know, my mom, did any of your parents do this? Do you know what this means? The smallest record player playing My Heart Bleeds for You. Maybe you did the violin. I don't know. Um, but that's what happens when we try to serve and we take out that integrity, that righteousness, that justice, and it just becomes basically, oh, I just got to lay everything down, and we become this victim, and then we start living in this victim mentality. And I'll tell you, God said, I'm not a victim, so I'm not going to live there. If I'm going to serve, there's going to be a reason that I'm doing it. So we need to have integrity. And then we also need humility. This one can be tough. In Colossians 3, it says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, 
You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. One of the most difficult things to admit is we don't know it all. I know I'm pretty smart, but, you know, I don't know it all. I mean, this might be news to you, but you don't know it all. And, you know, if you have a two-year-old, they don't know it all. <laughs> Nobody's told them yet. They, they think they do. If you have a two-year-old, they feel like they know it all. But it's difficult to realize because we want to feel confident, right? We want to feel like we know because especially if we're parents, we want to protect. Like when kids ask us things, it's hard when you're like, I don't know. Because you want to give them that answer. You want to take care of them. So sometimes it is difficult to admit that we don't know. Um, and sometimes if we don't use humility, we hurt people. Sewing. I'm going to tell you a story about a time I hurt my child. I did not physically hurt my child. So, But um, now I was right. We needed to get ready. We needed to go. Layla was about probably eight, so she was like second grade or whatever. And if you guys have met Layla, she does not understand that 24 hours a day, like there's a clock, there's time. It's like it's time to go. I'll give you four hours. Like the last like 10 seconds, she still like hasn't even got dressed, right? Guys, if you have people like that, and you're like a person that's done like 40 minutes before you have to leave. So now I was right. It was time to go. But the way that I did that was not very humble. I was like yelling at her and screaming, and it was just a really bad morning. And uh, dropped her off at school. <laughs> She's crying. You know, I'm like, get out of the car. Go into school, and I might pick you up. I don't know. Right? I mean, she's here, so I did pick her up. But you know what? The Lord, I got in my car, and I thought, well, I was right, and she needs to listen. And the Lord said, why don't you humble your heart, Sarah? You know what the Lord had me do? I went to the store, and I bought her a little gift, and I came to the school. And in front of all the superintendents, the principal that was there, you know, God made sure everyone was in the office in the moment. Doesn't he do that? You know, the secretary, and I said, I walked in, and it was, you know, in the middle, like, mid-morning, and, and I said, they're like, oh, what are you here for? I said, I need to give this gift, could you, or you have it in her locker or whatever, for my daughter, and it's a letter, and they're like, oh, why? I said, well, because I was actually a terrible mom, and I said things that I shouldn't have said, and I need to clean up this mess with my child, and they were just like, I said, and that's most important to me, is to clean up that mess with my child, and so God definitely brings you some humility when you have to, like, say that. And then, of course, they wouldn't just do it. God's like, I'm going to have them ask you what you did. And I told them I was yelling at my child, and I said, and, and nobody deserves to be treated like that. So God taught, teaches us humility, right? And he loves to use, um, you know, we feel like we might be in a position of power over our children, but then God showed me is, you know, you're, if you want to be a servant, that means everybody. It doesn't mean just the people that are, you know, older than you or, or in a position over you, above you, but that means from the bottom to the top, I want you to have humility. So it can be difficult, and a, a true leader will build, will build space to learn how to be humble. It doesn't just happen. You have to learn to build that in, have opportunities. I could have went that whole day, and I could have waited till she got home. But man, what the power that that did for how my children see me and how they live their life 
because of the way I chose to live mine. Because listening to the Lord, it is hard, but you have to build that in. It doesn't just happen. It's not like, oh, I felt, you know, God doesn't just make words come out of your mouth. Oh, I felt bad about that, and I was kind of prideful. He doesn't just spit them out and force you to talk like a ventriloquist. There, you have to build that into your life and make place for that to happen so that you can grow and experience. You need to grow and experience the opinions of other people. Even if you don't like them, you don't have to yell about it. You, don't have, you, can, you have to learn to be humble and do what God does because it doesn't come naturally. I think we've all been there where it just doesn't, it's not a natural uh, thing. And the third thing is um, be flexible. In Philippians 4, 12 and 13, it's for you, Donna, this is your word, Philippians 13. Um, I know you live on almost nothing, and, w- and with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, but I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And I just know that's on your ring, and God has done that so much for you this year, so I feel like that was a word for you. Um, that you can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So we got to be flexible because sometimes we might have everything we need, right? And then sometimes we don't have anything we need. And I'm not just talking about financial. Sometimes we're, we're healthy and sometimes we're sick, right? Sometimes we feel really close to God and sometimes we feel like, what am I doing? How did I get here? But he's like, it doesn't matter where you are need to be flexible with things that come. Okay, bad things happen. Are you just going to like lay down on the couch and, and whine and cry about it? I mean, I have been there. God's like, I'll give you five minutes. And then he's like, get up, you know, brush off your britches, let's go. We need to practice that flexibility, adapting to situations around us. No, I didn't like when my washer broke. You don't understand. I have teenage girls. Do you know how many towels we go through in a day? A load of towels every single day. I know you guys feel my pain. But I have to, you know, I did not like. I wasn't like, "Yes, my washer broke. I get an opportunity to just press in and know that God is going to come through for me. What a joyful morning." That wasn't so joyful for me. Of course, because then we got the heat, and I had to lug like 10 loads of laundry in my vehicle to the laundromat. And then guess what? You guys, I don't know if you know, but the laundromat here does not have air. It has free air from the dryers. (laughs) Comes out at 105 degrees. So it was wonderful, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I had to be flexible and be like, you know what? I'm just going to go online. I'm going to order this guide. I need, you know what? I need you to come through. You know, show me how to provide for this. Let's do this. And we went. And it was good. But I had to be flexible instead of complaining about it and getting all mad. And, um, you know, I just washed clothes in my bathtub for if I needed them for the next day. Whatever I needed to do, I just had to adapt. Because we can recognize that life is going to throw you curveballs. Even if you're doing everything that God wants you to do. It may not be perfect. So when we're talking about leadership, be flexible. Don't get offended when someone doesn't recognize your leadership. Don't you know who I am? No, I don't. You know, sometimes that's the way it is. That's why God says be a servant first. 
because he will move you into that. It doesn't matter how you've always done it. There may be a better way. I think about this most of the time when, have you guys ever like changed your living room or bedroom around and like the first time you put it in, you're like, this is perfect. It's so like uh, everything is, it looks good and it, it flows. And then you move it around again and you're like, no, this is even better. I did that three times in my living room in three weeks and I was like, whoa, like every time it got better. But if I would have been like, this is the only way, got to have it here, couch here, this there, it's never moving, this is perfect, I wouldn't have known it was better. If you've been to my house, you probably like it better now, don't you? Yeah, because the comfy seats are way more better spots because I have uncomfortable seats and comfy, comfy seats. So, but if I would have been like, well, you know, this is the way it works. We can see everything from here. It looks good. We're fine. God's like, sometimes, sometimes you got to be flexible. Change happens. And the fourth thing is resilience. In Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with the endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus had to go through some things. I mean, his mom, Mary had, I don't think I would want to ride a donkey at nine months pregnant. If you've met a donkey, they don't ride smooth. They like bounce. I mean, it was, I mean, that's a miracle that she got to, you know, the barn. That thing bounced. She had to endure some things. I mean, could you imagine the shame and embarrassment even when he was in the womb towards the family? They had to have resilience. They had to be able to bounce back and be like, it doesn't matter what everyone is saying. It doesn't matter what it looks like. God said. To recognize struggles are real and life is difficult, but God is not in control, but he is in charge. He's in charge. He knows the outcome. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He's not worried about it. He said, give it to him because he's not going to be stressed about it the way we are. He's not going to worry about it. He's not going to be overwhelmed. That's why he says, lay it at my feet. You know, take your burdens and give it to me because he's not worried about them. So we need to recognize that God is in charge and that even though struggles are real and things are difficult, that we can need to keep pressing forward. Being a good servant doesn't mean that everything is just so good in my life and it's going well and I got saved and my life just changed and it was perfect. False. Not the way it goes. <laughs> For you. That's not the way that it goes, right? Sometimes it really is. Everything can be going wrong and you can still have joy, but it doesn't mean that I've had times where it's like everything is going wrong that you could think of. If it, <laughs> it's just like a domino effect. And I have to keep going. And people have hurt me. And instead of being like, well, I'm going to stay injured forever, you know what happens? I go into recovery and I heal and I keep going. We have too many people with wounds all over their body and they're trying to go through and they never get to the recovery stage. They never get to healing. They never get, they never recover. 
That's what resilience is. It's like, well, this happened. Put a bandage on it. Keep moving forward. Hmm. That's important. The fifth thing, stewardship. In 1 Peter it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You may have some amazing gifts. You may be an amazing musician, have a beautiful voice. That's not just for you. It says to your youth to give to one another. You may have, and I've seen people who, they can build like anything. That's not just for you. That's a gift to share with one another. I've seen people who are great evangelists. That's not just for you to be like, oh, look how good they are. You know, oh, look at these prophets. Look at these apostles, you know. Great if you have that gift, but it is so that you can use it to help one another. For a servant to become a leader, they need to see people and value people as God sees them. They need to steward their talents and their gifts well, and they need to call out the good and the truth of people. What you see is not always the truth about people. Did you know that? I mean, it's hard to understand sometimes, but just because we things that we see about people doesn't mean that that's true about them. They may be acting rude or selfish, but that is not who they are because that's not who God created them to be. So we need to say, okay, God, who are they? And I'm going to treat them according to who they are, not according to how they're acting. So we need to think about that and encourage and, and instruct and in how to serve God well with how we treat people. So the last thing is empathy. In Romans it says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Even Jesus did that. I mean, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he stills like, you're sad, I'm sad. Right? He, didn't, he wasn't like, chill out, guys, I'm going to raise him from the dead. Gosh, you don't have any faith. Morons or something like that. I mean, that's what we would do. We would say that. Stupid. Come on. I've been with you. He didn't do that, did he? He came and he's like, oh, this is sad. I bet this hurts you. And he began to weep. You know, and then he said, let me do something. I mean, that, if I could be there in a place of time, that would be pretty cool. But having empathy is a key aspect of leadership. It's easy for us to get hyper-focused on tasks and work that we do. Um, it's important that we do accomplish goals. But if we're not careful, we begin to see people as problems and to solve instead of people to be loved. It's very easy to do that, especially like with our kids, because we may have walked that path already and we're like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And we're so busy telling them no that we forgot to love them so that they felt the love and they have built the confidence in themselves so that they make those good choices, right? Sometimes we're just trying to fix it. And God's like, they're not a problem to be solved. They're my creation, and I put them in your hands as a steward for you to love them well. And that's the same way it is with the body, not just your family. But you know what? We're together to steward and love each other. So we see people, we need to start seeing people through the eyes of Jesus. 